It's time for the Thursday Night Cyclone Fanatic Radio Show here on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. The Cyclone Fanatic Radio Show is presented by Mechdyne. Headquartered in Marshalltown and founded by Iowa State grads, Mechdyne is a collection of technology companies that remove obstacles to insight and understanding. Now, here is your host, Jared Stansberry. Yo, it's the Cyclone Fanatic Radio Show. Alisa, is it? It's like right here on your right. There should be a knob you can turn. Am I turned on? I can hear you. Can you hear yourself? I can hear myself. Ooh, there we go. We're good then. Yeah. Okay. We got it figured out. Panic. That's Alisa Woods here on the Cyclone Fanatic Radio Show. What's up? Oh, not much. Just living the dream. Our, uh, we had Steph on here about a month ago in, in the studio with us. Now it's uh, it's your turn to get the get in the driver's seat. I love it. I know that she came in and she was like, you got to tell me what to do. And you, you clowned her. So I had to make sure to not come in here and be like, I don't know what to do. Well, except then you couldn't hear out of I know. I know. She, she at least figured out how to use the headphones. Hey, I, I had it right. I just thought I had it wrong. It, yeah, it's okay. You're good. You're good. But no, uh, it was funny that, that was what Steph said. She's like, you need to tell me what to do. And I was like, <laughs> you talking to the microphone. I don't right. know. It's, there's not too much to, to explain here. But uh, Cycle Fanatic Radio Show presented by Mechdyne on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO 106.3 FM. I'm Jared Stansberry. We're going to talk a lot of Iowa State hoops tonight. The Cyclones coming off of their 77-72 to loss to Baylor earlier this week down in Waco. Look ahead a little bit to Saturday's game against TCU. Of course, next week's three rescheduled games against Texas, Texas Tech, and Kansas State, and then some Iowa State women's hoops uh, as well. They got a big win. Uh, was that last night? West Virginia? Yeah, last yeah. night uh, against West Virginia, who was, uh, I think was the top 25 team coming in. they were in. 18. Yeah, and then Iowa State kind of beat up on them. So that was a big one on senior night for uh, for Bill Fennelly's team. And um, if you guys want to weigh in, you can at uh, 515 uh what is it again, Easy? Man, I just blanked. 515-284-5966. Man, I knew that, too. I don't know why I just blanked. But I've always said there's no reason that we shouldn't have that just, like, plastered up on the wall at some someplace. But. Yeah, you would think, man, if Andrew Downs, if you're listening, come on, man. Get, get us a whiteboard or something with the, the phone number on it just so that I don't remember, or I can remember so that I don't have to say it all the time. But, uh, Alisa, I thought that this game, Tuesday night, you know, there hasn't been very many that I've walked away from and like been disappointed. Uh, this was definitely one of them. The game against TCU, I was really disappointed in that one because I felt like it was one that they should have won. Get an opportunity to get that one back here, like I mentioned on Saturday. But when you start the game up and you get up seventeen to you know up seventeen points in the first half, like it, it just felt like they had such a good opportunity to make a statement and do something that was going to be memorable for this team. And to not get that, like, that that really kind of burned in my stomach, you know. I was just like, the game got over, and I was I had to do the instant reaction, and I sat there, I was like, I don't know what to say. I just feel bad for these guys. Yeah. Because they just play so hard, and, like, you can tell how badly they want to win. Yeah. They just can't do it. I just think, like, for me, when I was at Iowa State, the men's basketball team, they were just the kings. You know what I mean? Like, the men's basketball team, whoa, guess who I saw? You know, I saw Jared Homan on the bus the other day. Like, I saw Jackson Roman at Bayer Hall. Oh, my gosh. Like, these guys are kings on campus, and I just want them to have the opportunity to feel that way at Iowa State because I think that that's one of the perks of going to Iowa State. Like, it's it's such a sports fan just the students are sports fans and and the faculty and staff are sports fans and that's one of the huge benefits of coming to Iowa State is to just be treated like a king treated like a queen for this women's basketball team and that's what I want for them you know I want them to have the high fives you know I want probably not right now but you right, know right. like the the elbow bumps and stuff like I want I want the students on campus to be thinking fondly of this basketball team, and I just wanted them to get that win and and to be kings for a day. Yeah, and it stinks because, like, the you see them, I don't know, I see them get made fun of sometimes, you know. And they shouldn't. No, and I because the I don't think this is a, I'm trying to think of the, way, the best way to phrase this. <laughs> On some level, like, it's hard for me to say it's not the kids' fault, like right. you know, because like obviously they're the ones that play the games, but like they obviously go out there and they do a lot of things that it takes to win. I yeah. mean, 
even in this game, like they had that stretch that they went through in the second half when it was a five point game and um and they would Baylor would come down and hit a shot and cut it to two and then they'd go right back and hit another shot and, yeah. cut, and get it back to five and I was like I was like man this is a team that like they look like they really know how to win yeah but they are just so awful in those five minutes before halftime yeah in, in the five minutes before the end of the game I mean and they have been all year but yeah. that it just it it was staggering. That was the point when I thought they lost on on Tuesday night was when they allowed Baylor to get back within five right before halftime. Oh yeah, I think they went on like a two and a half minute stretch where they didn't score. You can't do that. You can't do that in the Big Twelve, let alone against Baylor. Mm-hmm. And Baylor was so clearly a step slow. Like they just looked like a team yep. that hadn't played basketball in three weeks. Yep, and. When they were able to get a little bit of momentum, I was like, oh boy, they got the rust off. Yep. And I thought the best thing that Iowa State could have done was get that back to 10, make them go into the locker room with some doubt that like, man, it just might not be our night. Yeah, you know, but all of a sudden they get back within five, and you and you sit there and you're like, man, it's two possessions. Yep. Takes us two possessions. This is a whole new ball game, and it, from that point on, it never felt like Iowa State had any control in the game. They were just doing everything that they could. To try and hold on to it, and um, I don't know, like I, they just aren't efficient enough. They're not explosive enough to be able to be in those kinds of games with a good team. Yeah, I I think that you nailed it though. Like you cannot, you can't win if you're trying to not lose. Yeah, and I think that in those moments with the clock ticking down, you're watching the clock. You're saying, okay, how long did that? possession take off the clock like you're wishing the seconds away until halftime you're wishing the seconds away until the end of the game because you're ahead by one or two or five you know at at halftime and you can't do that you have to you have to put your foot on their neck and you have to like press and you have to score and you have to get turnovers and you have to not want to go into the you don't you don't want to go into halftime up 10 you want to go into halftime up 22 like push 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 get as many points and as many stops as you can well and you had to know that even when Iowa State was up 17 that Baylor's too good to go away they're too veteran like they just they had too many guys that have played in too many games that it's like they're not going to just lay down for you you know and they know what's on the line for them like this is a team that's they're trying to win a national championship yeah you know and that was what was was frustrating to me was that even when they were up 17 it didn't ever feel like they were controlling the game you know and I think that that would have been the point where I would have said you get up 17 and I would have been like all right we're passing it four times before we shoot the ball yeah and I don't care what it takes you know like you go into Texas Tech mode you go into Virginia mode (laughs) where you're we're like we're not shooting the ball until there's five seconds on the shot clock and we're gonna like is we're gonna get the best shot that we possibly can and that's where I think, you know, and we were talking about this a little bit before before we came on. That's where when when we talk about coaching and those kinds of things, like those are the things that like jump out at me is when the going gets tough and you can tell that guys get frazzled and stuff like that. Like you need something that's going to kind of get you back under control. Yep. And in the past, you know, like people like Monte, people like George, like they were capable of doing that on the floor, but they don't have a guy like that. Yeah. Like you see with Razier. When the game starts getting crazy, Razier starts getting a little crazy. Yeah. And like and that's not anything against him. He's not a point guard. Like and we've known that all year long. And when the game really got away from them was when they had a 5-point lead or floating right around there and they kept getting stops and then they'd come down and they turn the ball over. And he had a stretch where there's probably a 3-4 minute stretch and I know he was tired. He played every minute of the game. Yeah. And so like I, I it's hard to blame him, but like it's those are the moments where it's like every time I don't care unless you got a wide open layup, pull it out. Yeah, pull it out. We're not shooting the ball. Yeah, you know, and and just to make sure that you can get a good look and you're not just like running around out of control. Yeah, you're up by that much. You run motion. You run. You know, pass it from side to side. Go down to the block. Set a pick. Go out to the wing. Go back down to the block. Set a pick. Go up to the corner. Like you run motion and just pass it. East, West, East, West, East, West, until you have a wide open layup. You know, you cause chaos with emotion. You have emotion offense that when you're up by that much, you can run. But do we ever practice that? 
because we're we're never up by that much. We don't expect to be up by that much. I think that that would be better for them even just all the time though. Yeah. Not when they're just not even when they're winning. Yeah. You know. And and you have some plays that come out of motion. Right. That's what's frustrating, I know, for a lot of people, is that it's hard to sit there and watch them and be able to understand what they're trying to do, you know? And the thing, it's tough because they were able to play that way where you give guys so much freedom to just create for themselves, and it's like you go and get the high ball screen and you just go, it's yep. like just do something, yep. you know? But when you had Monte Morris and you had George Niang, you could run that and you could do that. Even and just Lindell. Guys, even Lindell. Even that whole team had guys that's like, just do something, mm-hmm. you know? Like, think what Mariel Shayok did in the Big 12 semifinal down yes. in Kansas City where they give him the ball, he gets the ball in the corner and he does a step-back three-pointer as deep in the corner as you possibly can get to win the game. Right. And that's like, when you got guys that are just ridiculous talents, you can say, okay, just go do something, you know? But it's when the game, when you don't have that ridiculous, those ridiculous talents, you don't have those guys that you can just say, go do something. Even Tyrese, you could tell Tyrese, just mm-hmm. go do something. They don't have that. And like, that's what, when you are in a close game, and, and that's what concerns me for a game like this coming up against TCU, is it's probably going to be a close game. Uh, I don't know if TCU has Mike Miles back. I haven't, I haven't watched them, uh, here in the last couple of weeks, but, um, if, if you're in a close game, it's hard for me to have any confidence that they are going to have any sort of rhyme or reason for what they do offensively. That's going to give you the ability to win, you know, and it just seems like the issues that they have rear their head, like in the worst times. Yeah. And you just like need a, a pause. You know, like I can imagine what Scott Drew was saying in some of those those huddles when they were really on a tear and kind of and were really taking control of the game is keep attacking. This team isn't going to lay down for you. They're not going to. This is their Super Bowl. Like they haven't won a game. Think what they can do, what it means for them (laughs) if they come in here and win this game. Keep attacking. Keep going downhill. Keep going straight at them. And you know how you could see it in their offense. Because Iowa State got called for whatever it was, like 16 fouls in the second half. And that's a whole other thing. Because Iowa State, I think, only drew like six. But it was where you could see that there was a concerted effort on their part to attack the rim. Yes. And that's no different than what anybody has done to Iowa State this year. Because, frankly, they don't guard the ball very well. So, right. like, it it makes sense. It's the right thing to do. But it's... It's where, like, you don't see that on the other end. You don't see that thing that it's like, okay, go and do this. I don't care. Like, go and do it. Go win the game. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know. Those are the things that, like, when I'm thinking about what the future for our state is. Yeah. I think that for a long time, we have, we've run our team on the, the pick up top, drive the ball, either go in for the layup, do the the floater, Monte Morris floater, or kick it out to somebody to shoot a three. And we don't have anybody who can take somebody one-on-one, and we don't have anybody who can shoot the three. And I feel bad for Razier because... Yeah, yeah. And I, I feel bad for Razier because he he just isn't... A, like, he can break people down off the dribble, but he attracts so much attention because yes. he's that guy that can break people down off the dribble that he over-dribbles. <laughs> and then it's like... He gets it put put into positions where well, really your only option is to shoot the ball. Yeah, you know, and you know I thought I do need to say like man Tyler Harris has been awesome the last two games. I've thought that they've finally unlocked something with him. Yeah, and I think that he's a guy that like you're gonna accept the fact that he's a volume guy a little bit and he's gonna take some shots that you probably wouldn't normally really want. But I'd give him the green light and just say man just go out and play free and just go out there and shoot it. You know what do you have to lose? Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he he's a good enough shooter that it's like I don't care if you're four feet behind the three point line. If you feel like you're open, fire it up. You know. Yeah. And assuming that it's like kind of in the flow of the way the game is going, you know, don't come out and make that your first shot of the game. But uh, it, if you get the ball in transition and you feel like you've got a shot, then shoot it. Yeah. Don't don't feel like you're handcuffed. You know. And I felt like earlier in the season there were times where he didn't seem to have much confidence in what he was doing. And I thought that you could see that more and more now, especially just this uh, this night against Baylor. The way he attacked the rim was so much stronger than what he's been doing earlier in the year. He was a lot more in control. And like I said, like he's going to have some moments that are frustrating because he's just like, he's a volume guy. Like That's just who he is. 
But at the same time, you're going to have those nights where he's feeling it, and it's going to be he'll be on fire. Yeah, you know, he's not Tyrus McGee because Tyrus McGee was like a sixty percent three point <laughs> shooter. But that's like what that's like what Fred did with Tyrus is it's just like, dude, just go out and shoot the ball. I don't care. Like if you get the ball and you feel like you can make it, then shoot it. Yeah, he is a thirty five percent three point shooter. Yeah, he had a really <laughs> tough stretch there for a while, though. Like, yeah. he, I don't know what he's been these last couple games, but it's been a lot better than 35%. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, and I think, too, like the three-point three, three point shooting and free-throw shooting are all about confidence. And if you miss one, you have to have just an absolute memory of just forget it. You know, you cannot have... You have to have short-term memory, is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Um, with three-pointers, if you, I mean, you watch these NBA dudes, and they're shooting from, you know, half court, and right. they think that they're going to make it. They're they're holding the follow-through. <laughs> they think that they've just swished it, and that's the confidence that you have to have. And if you start to get in your head that you're going to miss, then you are going to miss. Well, and it's you having confidence project projects confidence to your teammates as yep. well, to where then. If you feel like if you shoot the ball and you look like you're confident in shooting the ball and you're confident that it's going to go in, those guys are going to be like, "All right, I'm confident that that ball is going to go in because he just shot it confidently." If yep. you're shooting the ball timidly, then like, why are they going to throw you the ball? Mm-hmm. You know, why are they going to put you in positions to score because they sit there and they're like, "Well, he doesn't even think it's going to go in, so why would I think it's going to go in?" <laughs> right. And I think that you've seen that maybe at times with George Condit on offense, where he'll get into some of the same positions that Solomon Young does, and he doesn't get the ball. Yeah. But it's just, at the same time, you're like, George, I watch you. I don't know that you know the ball's going to go in half the time. <laughs> you know? And that's, like, I'm not, I'm not trying to trash on the kid yeah. or anything like that, but it's just like, like, you got to have that confidence that when you're, because you see where he'll post up and he'll get those switches on the screens, he'll have a little guy on him, and it's like, man, that's your time. Like you've got a guy that's a foot shorter than you. Go at him. <laughs> yeah. Go at him. Don't. I don't care. Score on him. Yeah. Like that's your job. Do your job. And he wasn't able to do that for all that time. And now I feel like he's really playing well. He's played probably his best minutes of of the season here these last couple of games. And I'm not saying like oh we got to throw the ball at George Condit on the block, but like when he comes and sets those screens and he rolls hard and he's actually open, like you got to hit him. Don't yep. just ignore him, you yep. know. And but he went through that stretch where I don't think he was rolling confidently. He wasn't doing any of those things confidently, and now all of a sudden he is. But like you've gone through a full season where someone didn't, and it's hard to get that back hardwired out of your mind. Yeah. Does that make sense? I kind of just went on a rant. But. No, I think it does for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think I, he has been playing well, but then I'm looking at his stats, and it's like, well, he's not scoring much. Is he just not getting the ball? Well, that's the thing. I don't know that you need him to. You yeah. know, like I think his points are almost a bonus. Yeah, where it's like, you, you hope that George scores. But at the same time, if George goes comes in and gets you three offensive rebounds, you don't care if George goes right. back up with it. Right. You know? Like, obviously, if he's wide open, like I, you want him to go back up with it. But I, there was that one play that he made in that game where um, he sprinted the floor, they were in transition, and they shot a three, and he went up and got the offensive rebound, and then I think they threw it away. But <laughs> Yeah, they did. <laughs> uh, but it was like, I was like, dang, okay. <laughs> I see you, George. Like, see you running the floor, see you down there mixing it up, going yeah. and getting a rebound. Like... And what he brings to you defensively is so much better than what Solo does. Yeah. And Solo is a guy who is has been good offensively for the most part when they can get him the ball. And, I mean, at this point, when he catches the ball on the block and he can get to the, the midline and, and shoot his jump hook, you, I feel pretty dang confident that it's going in most of the time. Yeah. But he doesn't guard anybody, <laughs> you know. And, I mean – that's not like a secret. You can look at Iowa State's numbers with them on the floor and with them off the floor, and they're completely different. I'm not like that's not me making an eyeball test thought. That's like a verifiable fact. And uh, so having George come in and be that guy that it's like, okay, he, we know he's only going to set screens, we know he's only going to crash the boards, but we know at the same time that he's going to give us high level effort on offense or on defense. He's going to give us good offer effort on the boards. He can give you 15 minutes. And be effective, and he's going to end up with some points just because of the fact that he's playing hard. Yeah, and I don't know. Like at this point, I don't know that how much of it matters because there's just, I mean, you're so close to the end of the season, and you've got these games. Like I think that this game on Saturday against TCU is a good matchup for George, where he could, um, where he could do some stuff. But I mean, when you're going to have to play Texas again on Monday, adding that Texas Tech game back to the schedule, I think, is the one thing that all of our livers didn't need. <laughs> And then 
against Kansas State, which all of a sudden Kansas State's playing a lot better, you know. And yeah. that's I can, I don't think that when they came up here that first time, everybody's talking about, oh man, Kansas State stinks. They're horrible. <laughs> you know, Bruce Weber's going to get fired. And this isn't me going on a Bruce a pro Bruce Weber thing, but like I looked at that roster and I was like, man, these guys are young. Like they're going to start three freshmen against Iowa State. And I was like, they're not going to be, you know, the best team in the Big 12 by the end of the season or something like that, but they're going to be a lot better than they are right now. Look at them. Just yeah. beat TCU. Just beat Oklahoma uh, a couple nights ago. That team is exponentially better than what they were in early January. Yeah. And that's just what Bruce Weber does. Like, that's he's going to get young and those he's going to coach those boys up, and then all of a sudden they're going to be a lot better. Yeah. And that's like, that's what's frustrating is you sit there and they're like, man, all these people give Bruce Weber trash but for not. You know, for being bad at the beginning of the season, but look what his teams do. They get better. They play better in March. And usually, for the most part, I mean, I, Steve's better teams played some of their best basketball in late February and early March. But man, it seems like his teams that haven't been very good have played like their worst basketball in March to an extent. Yeah. And I mean, this team, I don't know. It's not March yet. No, it's not March <laughs> yet, but you, you get what I'm saying, though. Where. Yeah. Like they're just so inconsistent that I like sometimes you're like I don't know if they're playing good ball or they're playing bad ball. They're just playing, <laughs> and that can be good. But this, like some teams, you can give freedom to, and some teams you can't. And I think that this was a team that did not need the freedom that they were being given. And that's just tough. Like they're good. They're good players. There are good players on this team. I think that a lot of it is mental, and a lot of it is the system and the structure. Um, that they're or in or lack thereof yeah. yeah 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 and i think that it's it's a lot of i think it's i don't know if it's under coaching or over coaching or you know it's just there's a lack somewhere there's something broken somewhere and it's not it's not these players i don't think i don't think that it's these players i think that they're good players and i think that in a different situation that they could win a conference game mm-hmm. you know i think that they're better than what their what their numbers say however they're they just go on so many stretches where they don't score and you can't do that yeah and that's mental you know that's it, you haven't scored in three possessions you need to go to your this your piggy which is what my aau team called it the 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 play that always scores. Yeah, or your cash cow or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we would always run piggy, and it would it would always work. And you just have that in your pocket, and if you have gone a couple possessions and haven't scored, then you run piggy. And this team just needs a piggy. And it's, it's tough because you can't... When it's gone three possessions, and then all of a sudden you've gone two and a half minutes, yeah. like that snowball just... It just gets so it gets bigger and bigger and and rolls faster and faster because when you like you become conscious of the fact, man, we haven't scored in a long time. Yeah, and then you start pressing, and that's where like you if it goes five possessions, you don't score. You got to have something. Yeah, something in your back pocket that it's like run this. Yeah, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But you know, at least we got things back under control. We got a good look out of one of our best actions. Yeah, but I I don't know the last time I saw him run an action. I can't think of one. Yeah. Outside of their the one where they have a guy run the baseline and they set two screens for him. And they've run that they run that all the time. But yeah. like it's it's where you just you can just feel that they need to be like reined in again. Yeah. You know, and not just allow it this to snowball as far as where you don't score for three minutes. Yeah. I think about um so the women have a a play I don't know if they call it Brock Purdy or they call it Purdy where three or four of them line up on the baseline. It's just an inbounds play and you don't know who they're gonna throw it into. I have never seen like a a D one team run something like that and it's it's so innovative. Taylor did that the other night. Did they? Yeah. I just At the like, end of the game. I need innovation is what I need from this team and i think that like that that word just popped into my head but yeah. if we could just create it creativity yeah, creativity yeah. innovation a spark something yeah and that's where like you don't got to reinvent the game yeah you know like that's it's not what we're asking for we don't need right. you to like basketball's an old sport we don't need you to come up with something completely brand new but that was the thing like that i'll give fred credit for is that 
he had those things that it's like you just pull it out. You know, what was the one that they ran the one year that he talked about that the Steve Kerr story that they've told where he said they called it Cyclone because they stole it from Fred Hoiberg and Fred Hoiberg's like, yeah, well, we stole that from BYU and they called it Cougar. <laughs> and it was uh, like, that's what he did is he just stole things from people. I mean, that's what everybody in basketball yeah, does. They steal is. things from people. But, uh, but it's like, I know that they could run those things if you put them in, you know, and I know you didn't have the time and all this kind of stuff, but that's where, like, when I think back to the off season and you talk about, uh, you hear Steve Prohm come out and talk about, man, we've been working on our defense and we only have like 50% of our offense put in. Well, when did you put the rest in? <laughs> Still working on it. <laughs> and what in the defense, put, putting all the time into the defense apparently didn't really work. So like, and I don't mean that to like, but that's just where the, that's like the questions I would ask in those, I should have asked, you know, yeah. I mean, in hindsight, you're like, you look back at that and you're like, well, no wonder that they have been so poor on offense is because they, it took so long to put everything in. And now you're, in a tough situation where you're not practicing very much. So, like, I don't know. Like, I I don't know what the answer is this season because I just don't think there is one. You're so close to the end that, like, nothing all of a sudden is just going to change. But I just – I get this vibe that these guys are just, like, playing for each other. Yeah. And the reason that they've been playing better is because they don't want to let the guys next to them down. Yeah. Which I commend them for, you know. Definitely. And I think that – I mean, everybody has to understand the way that the winds are blowing right now on the outside of the program yeah that like they can sit there and be like okay you know i don't care what anybody says we're gonna go and fight for each other and that's all that matters yeah and like i said i commend them for that all right if you guys want to call in weigh in on iowa state basketball you can do that when we come back 515-284-5966 it's the cyclone fanatic radio show presented by mechdyne here on a morning sports station 1460 kx 6.3 fm Hey guys, it's Williams here from Cyclone Fanatic on behalf of my friends at Nebraska Furniture Mart and Clyde. They've been a part of the Cyclone Fanatic radio show here Thursday nights on KXNO for a really long time. We're, we're talking like half a decade now. They're great supporters of what we do, and in return, we like to do the same to them. That's why anytime I need any electronics, anything like that, I call my friend Tim Mullen at Nebraska Furniture Mart and Clive. Not only do I get the best service in town, but they're Cyclone Fanatic supporters, big time. Give our friends at Nebraska Furniture Mart and Clive a call today and tell the Cyclone Fanatic sent you. Over the next 10 days, all three Carl Chevrolet locations in Iowa are having a huge pre-owned sale. For the next 10 days, every pre-owned vehicle on the lot is sale tagged and ready to move. Don't miss this opportunity to receive top dollar for your trade-in and choose from the largest selection of pre-owned vehicles in Iowa. Every vehicle has been through our rigorous inspection process and comes back with the confidence you expect. Make us your only stop, but hurry, the deals will be gone when the month is over. Integrity, trust, satisfaction, and confidence. Visit CarlChevrolet.com, CarlChevroletStewart.com, or CarlWebsterCity.com to view our complete inventory and pricing. Carl Chevrolet in Ankeny and in Stewart, Iowa, or Carl Chevrolet Buick GMC in Webster City, Iowa. Your dealer for life, Carl Chevrolet. Gershman Mortgage, the Midwest's premier mortgage lender, is proud to be a part of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. Whether you're looking to purchase a new home, a vacation home, if you're going to upgrade or remodel that existing home, you can even refinance your current mortgage. Gershman Mortgage is here to help. With over 60 years in the mortgage industry, we have security, experience, and unmatched service. Visit our Ankeny office. Call 515-964-5952. Visit Gershman.com to get pre-approved today. Gershman Mortgage, NMA. LS number 138063, 1200 Southwest State Street, Suite E, Ankeny, Iowa, 50023, Equal Housing Lender. This year has brought challenges unlike any other, but if there's one thing we can count on, it's that Cyclones come together in times of need. Through the Forever True for Iowa State campaign, an initiative by the Iowa State University Foundation, Cyclones everywhere are helping to reach the unprecedented $1.5 billion goal. More than 89,000 donors have participated, including 30,000 first-time donors. The gifts thus far total more than $1.35 billion. The campaign has achieved an amazing amount of success thanks to gifts of every size. Learn more at forevertrueisu.com. The Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network is now fueled by the Mississippi River Distilling Company. 
It is located in Leclerc, Iowa, and owned by Cyclones. In fact, one of them even used to be Cy. People ask us all the time, how can they help out at Cyclone Fanatic? Well, here's a way. You can pick up a delicious bottle of Cody Road bourbon or the very popular Iowish cream liqueur. Cyclone Fanatic is proud to be fueled by Cody Road. So cheers to our friends at the Mississippi River Distilling Company. And go Cyclones! Cyclone Fanatics, the job world is a competitive place, and at all times you need to dress for success. This is exactly why you should stop into Mr. B Clothing down at 1995 Northwest 86th Street in Clive and see my buddy Tim Sitzman. Now, Mr. B Clothing is a longtime supporter of CycloneFanatic.com, but is also unmatched when it comes to the men's clothing game in Des Moines. The Mr. B staff is friendly, fun, they're very knowledgeable, and trust me, these guys will get you looking good for that next job interview, wedding, or just your everyday wardrobe. When you stop into Mr. B Clothing, be sure to tell them thank you for supporting CycloneFanatic.com. It's not whether you win or lose. It's whether you serve pork at your tailgating party. Hi, I'm Dave Struthers, and I'm here to remind you that Iowa pig farmers like me work hard year-round so you have safe, wholesome pork for the football season. Whether it's pulled pork sandwiches, ribs, or chops, nothing says tailgating better than pork. This message brought to you by Iowa Pork Producers through the Pork Checkoff. Make your tailgating delicious. Learn more at iowapork.org. Hey guys, it's Chris Williams from CycloneFanatic.com. I'm here today on behalf of my friends at the Iowa Clinic. I want you to go to the iowaclinic.com. That's iowaclinic.com and get information on your annual flu vaccine. With the COVID-19 pandemic ongoing, we got to do what we can to protect our immune systems from diseases like the flu. Fortunately, there's a good way to do it. It's the flu vaccine. So here's your phone number, 515-875-9000. Give them a call to schedule it. Or you can go on and schedule an appointment online at iowaclinic.com. The Iowa Clinic has offices in West Des Moines or where I go, in Ankeny. I'm Chris Williams reminding you, get that flu shot. It's more important this year than ever. This pony needs a new home. Wild Rose Casino and Resort Jefferson has an exclusive drawing for our VIPs. Earn entries now for your shot at a new Ford Mustang Fastback. But this ride can only go home with select Club Wild members. Check your status today when you play at Wild Rose Casino and Resort Jefferson. You'd rather be here. Must be 21 or older. If you or someone you know needs gambling treatment, call 1-800-BEDS-OFF. Welcome back to Cyclone Fanatic Radio Show, presented by Mechdyne here in Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KX, no 106.3 FM. Jared Stansbury and Elisa Woods. EZ's on the other side of the glass. EZ, why was your your radio personality name Easy Rivers? I need to know. So you said you didn't get to choose it, but there has to have been a reason that the, it was given to you. It was basically just my boss and my boss's boss thought that it was really cool. What was weird about it was then I would like go around to other towns in North Dakota. I would do some sales and I was supposed to, like I I was not supposed to use my real first or last name. I was always referred to as Easy Rivers and sometimes people like, oh, that's really cool. And sometimes people would roll their eyes and there's nothing worse than when somebody's like, that's not cool. And I couldn't say, yeah, I know. (laughs) I had no choice. So like, even if you went into a business meeting, you had to call- Like sales- I had to set, which like automatically made me sound really sleazy. Like, yeah, this is Easy Rivers. Do you want to buy uh, buy some radio advertising? A used which, car. Yeah, which, by the way, was the worst time ever because I was up there around like 2013 when the oil industry was just booming. Everybody had way more business than they could do anything with. And they're like, no, we have no need to advertise. We already don't have enough help as it is. And I'm like... I don't see myself staying here in North Dakota too long. I imagine the, a radio personality like Easy Rivers needs to be a disc jockey on a country station. Right. And I was a talk guy on a sports station, so it was not a match made in heaven. At what point does it turn just to Old Man Rivers? Uh, fortunately, I got out soon enough where I didn't find out. Okay, but I'm saying like here, now that we've adopted that here, mm. when are we going to switch over to Old Man Rivers? I, I, I don't know. I feel like I, I don't feel like I'm that old man yet, but 
I don't know. I'm going to let Sean Roberts know that your new name is Easy Rivers. Appreciate it. So you can look forward to that on the Saturday morning pregame. <laughs> uh, we mentioned it before. Iowa State women with a big win last night over West Virginia uh, on senior night at Hilton Coliseum. And uh, they moved the Cyclones to 11-6 and six in the Big 12 this season, 15-9 and nine overall. As good as this team has been at times this season, and they they've been kind of up and down. You know, like their highs are really, really high, where they've uh, where they've beat Baylor and um, you know gotten some other big ones like that. But then there's also you know the loss down in Stillwater and Norman um, games that I think most years they probably would win. Um, it feels like this team is just like a bridge to what the future for Iowa State women's basketball is. Oh, absolutely. With so many freshmen playing, I mean, when you were talking about freshmen earlier, I was like, that's what that's what Iowa State is. It's a lot of freshmen, and when they're good, when they're firing on all cylinders, they're very good. But what they need is experience. And it's amazing that there's so many freshmen playing. I remember when I was in high school, and I was so mad that a freshman came up and played when I was in varsity, and now I'm like, oh, excellent, great move, good strategy. <laughs> That's the perspective. <laughs> Growing up, you gained some perspective that the freshman should have played ahead of you. Yeah. Uh, but – that's like I commend the people like Maddie Wise and Kristen Scott that have kind of taken them under their wing, and it, it really Kristen Scott probably isn't the best example because she still plays a ton. But like Maddie Wise, like it wasn't that long ago that she was coming in. I was still covering the team then when when she came in, and she was supposed to be the next big thing. Yeah. And obviously had a lot of you know the issues with the migraines and stuff like that last year that kind of held her back. But I mean the. This team, like you've got those two as the seniors, and then you got Ray Johnson, and obviously who knows what's going to happen with all three of them, considering they can come back next year if they want to. But um, I mean, Maggie Espen, Miller, McGraws hardly played. Yeah, and like their whole core comes back. I mean, I just it's hard to sit here and not think about what the future for that program could be because I feel like it's the sky's the limit, and like there's some certain certain things like you got to get better down low. You know, just to be able to match up with the the Baylors and the Texases yeah. of the world. I mean, Texas is definitely isn't going anywhere. That's, well, and what do you sure. think about Izzy coming in? Do you think that she is going to be that down low presence, or I, do you I think seen that her enough? Yeah. I, so I'm not. It'd be hard for me to give an opinion, but I mean, it, to get someone who's six four that can come in and make an impact like that would be a different from what they've had previously. Yeah, and for know? her to be able to come in a little bit early and you know learn the plays and get you know her legs under her a little bit and get into the system, get into the nutrition, get into the early mornings, late mm-hmm. nights, you know. Um, I, um, I almost feel like one of the underrated things that especially ISU women do well is that they're student athletes. You know, they get into this program and they excel in the classroom as well as on the court. And I think that that gives them, I think excelling in the classroom gives them a leg up on the court because it takes, it takes a lot to sit down and and do well in a class. Trust me, I did poorly in classes. I know that it takes a lot to do well in classes. And um, if you can have that motivation and the determination to do well in classes when you have so much else on your plate that says a lot about you as a, a human and a lot about you as a player. And I just think that getting Izzy into that, um, I think that that's only going to benefit her. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think there's a lot to be said just for you know someone who plays in the post to get in and start to understand that. And you know that was the thing. Like when Cameron Lard came, when when they didn't play him at the beginning, it I think people underestimate how difficult it is to play that position. Yeah. Right away, you know, and for her to even be in practice yeah. and start to learn what what that means, I think is just is extremely valuable. And any minutes that she can get is just like an added bonus. Yeah. But uh, that's where, I mean, the future for that program is so is so bright, and it's. It's crazy how quickly that flipped because it was just a couple of years ago that they were struggling to make the tournament. They had some, you know, down years for by their comparison. And now like it's not crazy to think about them being a top 10 team probably going into next year. Yeah, oh, definitely. I think that that's I think that if they aren't a top 10 team 
either going into the season or, you know, shortly after the season begins, I think that I would be surprised by that. I think that it would take a, an injury or something like that. I just think that that's the trajectory that they're headed. So just to flip this back to the men really quick, and it's just, I'm not, I don't want to like beat a dead horse or anything, but this kind of just came to my mind. Like what, for you, what would it take in the off season to like get the excitement level back for the men that where it is it's not probably going to get exactly where it is with the women just because we've seen these these players play and we know like how talented they are but even to get it to where it's like you have any excitement level for next season god let's get let's get a football style hype video (laughs) let's just get like campbell yelling at somebody (laughs) like i I mean so you want matt campbell to coach the basketball team if he could I feel like he's free during that season for the most part. Um, but no, I think I think that for me to get excited about it, there's going to need to be changes within the coaching, um, whether it's head coach, assistant coach, somewhere, um, some changes. Uh, and I and I also something that would get me as excited is if like we keep Xavier Mm -hmm. if we keep if we keep some guys if if those changes are made and then we keep some guys and they say like we came to Iowa State because we love Iowa State and we want to make this team successful I think that if we get a whole new group of of guys along with a new coach it's going to be hard yeah and that's where I mean that's where Iowa State's problem has been is in having to turn over the roster so much. Yeah. And that's a whole broader conversation because there's obviously a lot that went into having to do that. But, I mean, just like I have a hard time feeling like if you brought this exact roster back that you're going to be able to change too much. Like you might be a little bit better, you know. But, and a you bring, point guard. A yeah, point guard. you bring that's the Tyrese the Hunter, I think that'll be big. And, like, you – that kid's going to be a freshman, though, too. Right. You know? So it's like, who knows how long it takes him to kind of come along and be exactly what you need him to. But it's just where I, I'm trying to think. Of, the puzzle pieces just don't fit together, right? Well, let me ask you this. Who was supposed to be the point guard this year? I mean, I think it was Tyrese Halberton. I mean... If you saw the theory, writing on, if th- you saw the writing on the wall, yeah. why wasn't anything done during the off season to bring in some? Was things done or, and or the off season before? Right, I mean, and that's a that's a fair question to be asked. But because that's also Lindell's been a thing been gone for, for two years. You saw the writing on the wall with with Halliburton. That's a conversation that can go back several years yeah. of why were these things not seen better? You know, I mean. When you got to Maui that season and it became clear that Talon was probably going to have an opportunity to go to the NBA, it would have been better to just prepare for that rather than deny it. If The last three point guards that Iowa State has had have had have gone to the league, like, and two of them are extremely successful in the league already. Don't you have guys falling all over themselves to be the point guard at Iowa State? They have missed on some recruits that they got that they went after. I mean, Severe Wheeler was a guy that uh, they were in the final 2-4 that went to Georgia. And but, he, he had a triple-double the other night, I think, for Georgia or something like that. Like, So there are guys that like they've tried. I mean, and I think even like in theory, you know, Tyler Harris, they thought maybe he could play the point guard spot. You know, I think Trey Jackson, you thought could play the point guard spot. But it's like they get here and you find out they're not big 12 point guards. Right. And, but at the same time, I'll cut them some slack in the sense that like, I don't think we knew that Tyrese was going to be a big 12-point guard in the way that he was when he was coming here from high school. Yeah. So, like, you know, you could have gone and recruited some of these guys thinking, like, that they were going to be able to play point guard, and they just and it just didn't work out. But I just think that's the easiest position to fill, and it was not filled. Yeah. I mean, in theory, it should be because of, again, because of the success that they've had. Yeah. You know? And I don't know. There's It's a fair question to ask because that's been a problem a lot of times where it seems like the only— the only time that I felt like they went out and recruited after a season or during a season and were like not flat footed for what was going to come afterwards was that 17, 18 class. Yeah. The, or the 16, 17 class, the one that brought in Lindell, Terrence Lewis, who at the time was a top 100 recruit. Darius McNeil was originally in that class and uh, asked out of his letter of intent. But like that group right there, you're like, okay, 
this is a solid and then you had cam who's going to be coming in as well that it's like okay we know that we're going to lose a bunch of people but we've got some people we feel like can be cornerstone pieces for us coming in next year that year you go and you get Taylor, you get tyrese you get george and zion obviously zion didn't work out he's at, at illinois chicago right now but like you knew at least Taylor was going to be a guy that you could build around and could be that centerpiece and like they knew what they had in their back pocket sitting out that year with Mariel Shayok and Michael Jacobson. But like, so you had those two classes that, that class, obviously two of them are in the NBA already and both are having a ton of success. Zion left because it didn't work out. Terrence left. Lindell left after two years because it worked out to an extent, but I, you know, there's a lot that goes in that went into that situation. And then George is still here, and George was never going to be a guy who was going to be your marquee centerpiece type player. So that's where I think when you want to sit and like, what are the failings, you know, eventually of the Promera? It's it was their inability to to recruit and retain guys who could be centerpiece players. Yeah, they had too many classes where everyone left. You know, where you look at the the 19 class that had Luke Anderson and, uh, or not 19, 18 class that had Luke Anderson and, uh, Marcetus Leach and, and Trey Jackson. Trey's the only one that's still here. Yeah. And those guys never played a game at Iowa state. So, Oh, and Caleb Grill too. And he played one season. <laughs> uh, so for, for a guy who in prom, who is his cornerstone is that he's a gifted recruiter. Do you think that that is still the case? Um, I think that Steve, hmm, I want to be careful here, because I, uh, hmm. I think Steve's a good recruiter because I think Steve's a good person, and I think Steve's good at building relationships with people. It's harder to build relationships with people in the spring and the summer when those things are really going fast and it's fast and furious. You got to build a quick relationship with someone, and it's a lot harder to make that pitch when you don't have like two years of a relationship built up. Their talent evaluation has been a serious issue. Do you think that the off season with the restrictions due to COVID hurt Iowa State's recruiting after Halliburton left? Uh, uh, yeah, certainly. I think it probably did. And I, it was hard to. I mean, this is what we're going to find out. Like with the twenty one class and the twenty two class, like how hard it is to evaluate these kids just by watching. Yeah. Videotape, you know, and that's going to be a problem in all sports, not just basketball. That's going to be a problem in football as well. This twenty two class will be like the least scouted class in college football history but it's it's still just where I mean I I feel like now coming into this season and we've like I've talked about this before where you know people can say oh it was COVID it was COVID it was COVID like there were some of these issues that were already existed they're not things that be that just suddenly popped up because of COVID you know like those were things that were problem the year before those were things that had been problems previously and I I tallied this up one day and I think that they've signed 18 high school recruits since pro. I, I think that that's right. This was two weeks ago, I think, that I did this. And I didn't write it down or anything. But I think they signed 18 high school recruits. You can throw out Xavier because of the fact that he we can't make a – it'd be difficult to make a judgment on him. But of those 18, there's been like six of them that have show, that showed that they had the ability to be high-level Big 12 players, not just like guys who are on the team. Six. When you're batting 33%, you know, like – in baseball, that works, but in college basketball recruiting, it doesn't. So that's where I think the thing, like when we look back at all of this, that's what like will be the biggest frustration. That's why we're in the hole yeah. that we're in. Speaking of Xavier Foster, do you think that he stays? I think so. Yeah, I mean, I we don't know. Like, I, obviously, we don't know if Steve Brown's going to get fired. Like, right. I, it, I probably do too much acting like I do. I don't know. I think that that it, I'll just say I think that that is probably the way that the winds are blowing and like in my mind and it's like it's the thing that probably should happen because I think it would be tough to dig out of this hole in the current format. But I think that as long as you get someone who can excite him and can prove that he can play, he's going to play in a, a role that will be good for him. Then yeah, well, I don't know why he wouldn't. You know, I just I have I've seen him like I saw him play at state you know down at the arena and I think that he's so good and he's he's like one of those players at Iowa State that I want to be like the Nazmitru Long you know what I mean like I want him to um just be like charming and exciting and I want him to be the one that people go to watch and so I just I if you ask me what would get me excited on the other end what would really bum me out is if he left yeah and I, I mean, 
that would be like a worst case scenario. That's doomsday. Yeah. Borderline. Um, but yeah. All right. Let's talk about some happier stuff when we come back. Let's talk about these guys that are in the NBA. Former Cyclones, Tyrese Halbert, and having a big week as well as George Niang. We'll do that when we come back here on the Cyclone Fanatic Radio Show presented by Mechdyne on Des Moines Sports Station 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Hey y'all, Brent Bloom here. Let me tell you about my friends at Nebraska Furniture Martin Clive. They have a giant new store that they opened up about a year and a half ago. They're in West Clive, right near the Waukee border, my old stomping grounds. And they can help you out with any of your needs. In fact, with a larger warehouse now, a larger selection, they have many items right there at the store. In fact, my mom just needed some new appliances recently. It was an easy call to make. Told her to call Tim Mullen and the guys and gals over at Nebraska Furniture Martin in Clive. And always ask for the price match. They'll help you out. There's something competing out there. Check out our Cyclone Fanatic friends at Nebraska Furniture Mart in Clive. Over the next 10 days, all three Carl Chevrolet locations in Iowa are having a huge pre-owned sale. For the next 10 days, every pre-owned vehicle on the lot is sale tagged and ready to move. Don't miss this opportunity to receive top dollar for your trade-in and choose from the largest selection of pre-owned vehicles in Iowa. Every vehicle has been through our rigorous inspection process and comes back with the confidence you expect. Make us your only stop, but hurry, the deals will be gone when the month is over. Integrity, trust, satisfaction, and confidence. Visit CarlChevrolet.com, CarlChevroletStewart.com, or CarlWebsterCity.com to view our complete inventory and pricing. Carl Chevrolet in Ankeny and in Stewart, Iowa, or Carl Chevrolet Buick GMC in Webster City, Iowa. Your dealer for life, Carl Chevrolet. This year has brought challenges unlike any other. Challenges impacting every one of us in some way. But if there's one thing we can count on, it's that Cyclones come together in time of need. Through the Forever True for Iowa State campaign, a historic initiative by the Iowa State University Foundation to raise donations that will benefit every aspect of the university, Cyclones everywhere are helping to reach the unprecedented $1.5 billion goal. More than 89,000 donors have given to the campaign thus far, including over 30,000 first-time donors. These gifts total more than $1.35 billion. The campaign, now in its final year, has achieved an amazing amount of success thanks to gifts of every size, and the impact is seen across campus. During these challenging circumstances, the generosity of Iowa State donors is what keeps the heart of campus beating. Learn more at forevertrueisu.com. Cyclone Fanatics, the job world is a competitive place, and at all times you need to dress for success. This is exactly why you should stop into Mr. B Clothing down at 1995 Northwest 86th Street in Clive and see my buddy Tim Sitzman. Now, Mr. B Clothing is a longtime supporter of CycloneFanatic.com, but is also unmatched when it comes to the men's clothing game in Des Moines. The Mr. B staff is friendly, fun, they're very knowledgeable, and trust me, these guys will get you looking good for that next job interview, wedding, or just your everyday wardrobe. When you stop into Mr. B Clothing, be sure to tell them thank you for supporting CycloneFanatic.com. This pony needs a new home. Wild Rose Casino and Resort Jefferson has an exclusive drawing for our VIPs. Earn entries now for your shot at a new Ford Mustang Fastback. But this ride can only go home with select Club Wild members. Check your status today when you play at Wild Rose Casino and Resort Jefferson. You'd rather be here. Must be 21 or older. If you or someone you know needs gambling treatment, call 1-800-BEDS-OFF. Hey, Cyclone fans, it's Chris Williams. You've heard our friends from the Iowa pork producers. They've been coming on here for the last couple of years. I've been telling you guys about them. I've had the great opportunity to meet so many of our state's great pork producers over the last couple of years, and I've learned so much. One thing specifically, I didn't really know this before. I guess I probably should have, but these pigs are raised in environmentally controlled barns. That helps farmers care for the pigs. They protect the pigs from extreme temperatures, predators, you know, all that stuff. It is so high tech, some of the stuff that our great pork producers are doing, and they're doing it all to feed our world. And, and don't forget about this. So you can have some of that delicious Iowa pork at your tailgates coming up this fall. From everyone at Cyclone Fanatic, I'm Chris Williams saying thank you to our state's great pork producers. 
The Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network is now fueled by the Mississippi River Distilling Company. It is located in Le Claire, Iowa and owned by Cyclones. In fact, one of them even used to be Cy. People ask us all the time, how can they help out at Cyclone Fanatic? Well, here's a way. You can pick up a delicious bottle of Cody Road bourbon or the very popular Iowish cream liqueur. Cyclone Fanatic is proud to be fueled by Cody Road. So cheers to our friends at the Mississippi River Distilling Company. And go Cyclones! Welcome back to the Cyclone Fanatic Radio Show, powered by Mechdyne. If you want to know more about Mechdyne, you can check them out at mechdyne.com. If you're looking to maybe change jobs, check out the career page there. Fantastic place to work, good people. And they're all Cyclones, which is obviously one of the biggest keys when you're looking for a new job. Right, Elisa? Yeah. You want to work with Cyclones if you can. Of course. I only work with Cyclones. If I go into an interview and somebody has Hawkeye stuff, I'm like, I don't know if we're going to get along. That's when you just like, I don't know what you could do to cause like lasting damage during a, like what's legal, you know, during a job interview, but you consider it. Yeah. I mean, if you go in there and they have Baylor stuff, I'm not even going to do the interview. No. Yeah. That's when you just walk out. Like I'm not associating. I'm going to call the cops. Yeah. Oh, I don't know about that, but that would be... Oh, I'm going to call the cops. Okay, Karen. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There's a guy here with Baylor stuff, and I'd like you to send somebody down here, because this is Iowa, and we shouldn't have Baylor stuff here. You need to ask them if the uh, the Cyclones can have tents when they're in, if, if they think they can have tents when they're in Waco. Oh, can I bring my can I bring my uh, space heater to my office or not? Huh? Huh? Oh man, you already know that's going to be a whole big thing. The last week of September when oh yeah, uh, I'm going to need to do an oral, I'm going to have Rob Gray do an oral history on the tent game. <laughs> I hope that I hope that um, when we do play there that we get our tents approved and we just make them just obnoxiously big, outrageous. Yeah. Well, I saw when the schedule came out that the Cyclone Equipment Twitter account tweeted at the Big 12 and asked if they could have their tents I approved. I love it. I want like a blow-up castle that that the players can go inside and, and cool off. That is what I want. And then there's just a shot of, of Brees Hall wearing a headset, <laughs> jumping up and down inside of the inflatable castle. Yes. Yeah. Just make it as memorable as we possibly yes. can on the sideline. Uh, something else that was memorable, I'm sure, for Tyrese Halberton on. That was a, there we go. See that? That was a segue. Love that. Uh, for Tyrese Halberton, Tuesday night, uh, 20, 23 points for him, uh, nine assists, three threes, five rebounds, three steals. Just a, I mean, the kid is just a, he's a different breed, but, uh, got some props from James Harden, Kyrie Irving, two guys that, uh, I know that Tyrese has, has looked up to. I wrote a story a couple years ago at the, NCAA tournament where I talked to guys about shoes and Tyrese told me how much he likes the Kyries so when I saw that video I was like oh I'm sure he was hyped about that and then I saw in his interview he did after he talked about how he had Kyrie's shoes and I was like yeah I told that story first but that's it's no big deal or anything but uh I mean I think we all knew that the kid was going to be good but I never thought that he would be a guy in his first year who looked like someone that could legitimately be an all-star and like the way he's been playing here over the last month or so, I don't think that's outside the realm of possibility. That kid will get at least one All Star bid in his in his time in the NBA. Do you think he's Rookie of the Year? Oh, it's tough because his. I think he could be, um, especially if they could start winning more. Uh, yes, but Lamelo's so good on a bad team, you know, like that team is so bad that he just kind of gets free reign to do whatever he wants to. Yeah. But Tyrese is in a position where he shares, you know, headlines with obviously De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Heald and all those other guys. So it's kind of tough. It's a tough deal. Like he's on too good of a team to be the rookie of the year almost. I'm looking at a picture of him and his jersey on it says Sacktown. Is, is that what they call Sacramento? I think so. Are those the new black ones with yeah. the pink? and Yeah. yeah. Why? Why? I mean, I, I don't know. It's just Sacramento. I don't know. Sacktown? I mean, it's used. It's not used often. It's 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 them just trying to be cute. It's probably the equivalency of like Sacramento's ray gun. Probably is like, eh, we'll just do something with this. Is it like Chi Town, where the people in Chicago are like, we don't actually say that? Yeah, probably. Ugh. 
Yeah, it's probably more people outside of Sacramento using it than... Well, well except for in this specific instance, I suppose. I don't want to hear Sacktown. Those jerseys again. are cool, though. I think they those are cool, awesome. They look cool, but they say Sacktown on the front of them. So you're saying if Chicago wore Chi-Town jerseys, you wouldn't like them? No, I would like them. It's the it's the Sack that I don't like. We should Sack-town. call it Des Moines. Duh-Town. D-Town. No, Duh-Town. Des Moines. Duh-Town. Duh-Town. D-S-Town. No. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't work. Sacktown. I don't like it. I'm going on record. All right. Well, I'm glad that we got that out of the way. But <laughs> uh, I, like I said, the kid's gonna be an all star. I mean, oh yeah. I I didn't think that that was gonna be the case, but that dude has something about him where he just proves people wrong all the time. And not that I ever said he's gonna be bad or anything like that. It's obviously not what I said. But like, I don't. There were a lot of people out there who didn't like him. Yeah. You know, and obviously, twelve teams passed on him. Yeah. And they look like a bunch of idiots right now. I think if he, I hate, I hate it when people say this, but if he can stay healthy, and it's like, uh, it was his wrist, like, give it a break. Mm-hmm. But He's got he, that big old thing on his shoulder, I don't know what I the deal know. is with that, but hopefully that's not a, a huge deal. I, I think he did miss maybe one or two games because of that. Yeah. There, but. That tape, that tape is outstanding, and it's just, it came out after I was in high school, don't do the math, y'all, but, and I, I gave it a try, and you, you literally just put the tape on top of your arm in a, in a certain way, and it's like taping your shoulder, and it's so much less restrictive. I think it's Australian. The first person I ever saw wear that was Carrie Walsh. Yes. Yes. I was just thinking that. Yeah. I remember her wearing it on her shoulder during yeah. the Olympics. Uh, I mean, she was only in the Olympics about 10 times. But <laughs> The role of it that I bought had a picture of her on it. Oh, of course. I, I mean, I think that if anybody looks thinks about K-Tape, that's got to be the first, yeah. the first idea. Uh, all right. George Niang, big week for him, too. 7-7 seven to seven the other night from three. Uh, second most threes uh, ever made by a cyclone in an NBA game behind only Jeff Hornacek who went eight for eight in one game which that would have been a bit like that would have been wild back yeah. at, at that time man man we're out of time thanks Lisa yeah. for coming in to do the show with me we'll have you in again soon we got to get you and Steph in here at the same time that would be fun definitely thanks everybody for tuning in we'll be back again next week or I think obviously maybe place so who knows what when will be but uh, we'll be back again soon here on Des Moines Sports Station 1460 KXNL and 106.3 FM